morning, everybody. Welcome to River Glen. Welcome here in Waukesha, Pewaukee, online. Great to have you. Thank you for joining us for church. Well, last weekend we had the big offering giveaway. We said that we're going to take everything that comes in during the week and the weekend, every penny of it, and give it away to meet important needs locally, regionally, and globally. We set a goal of $200,000 for the offering last weekend. Do you want to hear the total? that we received. Check that out. Isn't that great? That's awesome. That's a wow. Thank you so much. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for opening your heart and showing the love of, of Jesus. That is, the, that is the largest offering ever for our church. And I think it's just wonderful that our largest offering is one that we're giving away. And I just can't wait to hear the stories and see the impact that uh, your generosity has and how God uses it to change uh, more uh, lives. Well, uh, I don't know the score uh, to the game, uh, but somebody uh, told me that um, uh, one of the songs we sang, that it actually says, the giants will fall in one of the worship songs. <laughs> so uh, hopefully that's true. Hopefully that's uh, prophecy, right? But uh, today we're beginning a new series called uh, Ghost Stories. Many years ago when I got started working as a pastor, I began as a youth pastor, went on a retreat with a bunch of students and leaders. We sat around the campfire one night, and one of the uh, leaders, who had really just a fantastic imagination, she starts telling these scary stories. She has an imagination like Stephen King. And we're mesmerized. We're on the edge of our uh, seat. But then some students had trouble falling asleep uh, that night. Some of them had nightmares, which is not always a good thing. And I remember the next day, I actually had to go to this leader and ask her, please don't tell any more ghost stories. Well, the ghost stories that uh, we're going to talk about in this series are true, and they're found in the uh, uh, Bible. We're going to look at four stories from the Bible that I think if anybody read them, they might go, that is crazy. But they're really important because they point us to a deeper truth about the supernatural world, the unseen uh, world. To get us thinking in the uh, same direction, I want to show you a few optical illusions. Um, th these optical illusions get us thinking about how sometimes there's more than what the eye can see. Here's the first one. This is kind of a classic. Uh, some of you have probably seen this before. How many of you look at that and you can see the, the, the old lady? How many see the uh, old lady? Okay. Um, how many of you see the young woman? Uh, anybody see both, the young woman and the old lady? Um, anybody see neither? You're like, I'm totally confused. I don't even know what you're talking about um, right now. Here's another one. This one's called the Ebbinghaus Illusion. Here's the question. Which orange dot is bigger? How many of you think the dot on the left is the bigger orange dot? How many think the dot on the right is the larger dot? Okay, brace yourselves. Prepare to have your mind blown, okay? Both dots are the exact same size. Yeah, it's, whether you believe it or not, that's the truth. One more. This one blew up the internet a few years ago. Remember this one? Is a dress black and blue or is it white and, and gold? How many of you see black and blue uh, dress? How many see white and gold? Yeah, this one's like 50-50. And uh, anybody remember what it actually is, the correct answer? It's black and blue. I'm told that lighting and background tricks our eye into seeing something that's not uh, there. Here's what's interesting about these optical illusions. What you don't see is as important as what you do see. These optical illusions remind us that, that sometimes there's more than what the eye 
can see. And this series is going to challenge us to open our eyes and open our minds to the unseen world. We can see, we can touch, we can feel uh, the physical, material world, but that's not the only reality that is around us. Ephesians chapter 6 makes this point clearly. Paul says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against other people, not against human beings, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly uh, realms. Paul says, following Jesus, it's not a playground. It is a battleground. But it's not a battle against people. It's not a battle uh, against your annoying neighbor or your sibling. It's not against your, your boss. It's not against politicians. It's not a battle against other people. It's a battle against powers, rulers, authorities, and evil forces in the heavenly realms. Now, I realize some of you right now, you know, you're nodding your head in agreement. You know, you're on track with this. And then others of you are like, what are you talking about right now? Spiritual forces of evil that exist in the heavenly realms? That just sounds goofy. Yeah, it's interesting that I think all of us gravitate in one of two directions on this issue, on the subject of the unseen world. C.S. Lewis has a great quote about this. There's two equal and opposite errors about demons. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to think they are behind every bush. They themselves are pleased by both errors. So there's like a continuum, right? Where do you fall on that continuum? You know, on one end of the continuum are people that like to attribute everything bad to, the demon, to a demon. You know, blame the devil for anything bad that happens. A demon is behind every flat tire, every stub toe, every bad hair day, for those of us that do have hair. But sometimes the battles we face are the consequence of our own mistakes, our own laziness or poor decisions, and we need to take responsibility. I've got a tendency to go to the other side of the continuum. I tend to be skeptical of the unseen world. If I can't see it, I don't believe it. It doesn't exist. But if I thought that way consistently, then I wouldn't believe in x-rays, infrared rays, gamma rays, because you can't see them. wouldn't believe in the wind, because you can't really see the, the wind. I tend to be skeptical of the unseen world. Here's, but here's something that helps me. Maybe this will help you. If you look in the Gospels, uh, the four biographies about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will find that Jesus believed in the unseen world. And he had a lot to say about it. Uh, for example, Jesus prayed for our protection from the evil one. Uh, Jesus believed that there is an evil presence in this world at work against God and God's purposes. Jesus said that the thief, he called Satan the thief, and he wants to steal from you. Not, not like steal your wallet, but steal your joy, <clears throat> your peace, your hope your faith, maybe the reason we struggle with fear or discouragement or conflict or temptation or a low sense of self-worth or doubt or anxiety is not because of something we can see, but because we have an enemy who is unseen and oftentimes works in subtle and quiet uh, ways. Jesus said that Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He'd like nothing more than to destroy our marriages, destroy our families, destroy our friendships, and destroy our hope and faith so that we conclude, you know what? I don't believe God's real. And even if he is real, I don't believe he cares or listens to my prayers or really notices 
or cares about me. And that leads to today's ghost story. If you ever have doubts about God, or if you ever have doubts about prayer, if, if you ever uh, feel confused about unanswered prayer, uh, today's ghost story is for you. The ghost story is found in the Old Testament in Daniel chapter 10. And just to give you a little bit of context, when I read this story uh, for the first time, I was like, wow, uh, that's crazy. And I asked myself two questions. Number one, did this actually happen? And number two, could this happen today? Here's some background for you. It's the third year in the, of the reign of King Cyrus. Cyrus is the king of Persia. And because the nation of Israel continued to disobey and forget and ignore God, uh, God allows the Persian kingdom to overtake Israel. And so Daniel and other Israelite men live under the rule of the Persian kingdom and King Cyrus. And so here's what happened. It says, at that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. And so for 21 days... Uh, for three weeks, Daniel mourns. Why does he mourn? Well, he mourns the fact that Israel, the entire nation, has ignored and forgotten and disobeyed God. And now, after a long time of patience, God has allowed them to collapse and for the Persians to overtake them. And so for 21 days, Daniel is asking, God, what is our future? God, show me the future. What is going to happen to Israel, and it says Daniel stands and prays um, by the banks of the Tigris River. Now I want to pause for a moment here and point out how there are historical details in this uh, story. You know, this is not once upon a time or in a land far, far uh, away. No, we're talking about the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia in the banks of the Tigris River. And sources outside the Bible have confirmed all the people and landmarks and timelines as historically accurate and true. But as Daniel stands beside the Tigris River, he has a vision. And in this vision, a man appears and starts talking to him. And at this point, we don't know who this man is. But here's what this man says to Daniel. He says, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words. I'm about to speak to you and stand up for I have been sent to you. Now, I don't know how you would respond if you had a vision and a man appeared in a vision and started talking to you, but Daniel starts trembling and, and, and shaking. And he, he's like, what, what's going on right now? And this man, who we find out, this man is actually an angel. And so this, this angel, here's what he says uh, to Daniel, do not be afraid. And then he goes on and he says this to Daniel, since the first day uh, that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God. In other words, three weeks ago, 21 days ago, when you were praying, your words were heard. And I've come in response to them, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me. 21 days. So who is this prince? of the Persian kingdom. Now, since Cyrus is the king, you might think that the prince would be the son of Cyrus, but that's not right. The prince of Persia is not a human being. It is a demon. It is a spiritual being who has attached himself to the Persian kingdom. The angel goes on. He says, then Michael, uh, one of the chief princes, and again, not an actual prince, Michael is an archangel, 
he says, Michael came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. So let me recap this story for you, okay? Daniel begins and he prays, God, show me the future of Israel. God, what is going to happen to us? And for 21 days, he gets nothing. I mean, no response. No word from the Lord. Silence. Crickets. Nothing. Finally, after 21 days, the angel comes and he says to Daniel, hey, the moment you started praying, God heard you. And God sent me to you to respond. But I got locked in a spiritual battle for 21 days with this prince of Persia. And I could not get out of that spiritual battle until the archangel uh, Michael arrived and rescued me. And I'm reading my Bible and I'm like, "Are, are, are you kidding me? This angel battles a demon for 21 days And that's why Daniel has not seen an answer to his prayer. This demon interferes with the prayer life of Daniel. Now, remember the two questions that I asked. The first question, my first question, did this actually happen? And I'm going to let you decide for yourself what you think about that. I'll give you my opinion. I think it did. One reason I think it did happen is because every historical detail in this story is accurate and true. Third year of the reign of King Cyrus by the banks of the Tigris River. I see no reason to not believe that Daniel had this vision. But here's the second reason why I think it happened. And if we had time, we could unpack what the angel says to to Daniel in response to his prayer. And we would discover, we would find that everything the angel says will happen in the future to Israel actually happens. Not at not in that moment, but everything comes true in future centuries. And so God actually answers Daniel's prayer. But here's my second question. Could this kind of prayer experience happen in our lives today? You ever, you ever had something in your life that you, you know, prayed about a lot? I mean, not just once or twice. I mean, you prayed about something regularly. And if you were honest, you would say that you have not seen an answer to that prayer. You know, maybe you prayed uh, for God to um, change your marriage, to strengthen your marriage, reconcile your uh, marriage. And, you know, you would say, well, we still have the same problems and the same issues. Maybe you prayed about some health concern. You prayed for uh, healing and you have, you've not been healed. And maybe the doctors don't even know what, what it is. Or you prayed for a good friend or a family member to come to faith in Jesus. And as of right now, they have not come to faith in Jesus. And when that happens, Satan would like nothing more than for you to go, well, I, I, guess, I guess God's not going to answer that prayer. And even if God will eventually answer that prayer, Satan wants to delay that answer as long as possible to allow doubts to creep in. And I could tell you about many prayers in my life that have gone unanswered. I mean, I've got several things that I've prayed for uh, on a regular basis for years. And I have not seen an answer to those prayers. And when that happens, we can respond in one of three ways. Some people go, well, you know, God's not there. God's not real. God doesn't exist. Other people go, well, maybe God is real. But, you know, even if he is real, he doesn't care. He's too busy. He doesn't have time for me. He doesn't notice me. He's not answering my prayer. But what if there's a third option? What if there's a third option that we live in a physical world 
but we got a spiritual world all around us. And this spiritual world, it's not a playground. It's a battleground. It's a world of battle and resistance. And so today, I want to give you two truths that you can hold on to, to encourage you when you have doubts about God. Two truths for you to, to, to hold on to when you have prayers that go unanswered and you start to get frustrated with God. Here's the first one. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Here's something I know about everybody in the room. doesn't matter your age. doesn't matter where you're at in life. I mean, all of us like quick results, don't we? Right? I mean, none of us like to wait. We're not good waiters. We all want quick results when it comes to a diet, when it comes to investments, when it comes to school. You know, we, we don't like to uh, wait. Imagine somebody <laughs> advertising a diet plan uh, that promises that you'll lose uh, 20 pounds in six years. Yeah, nobody's going to buy that diet plan, right? You know, <laughs> nobody's going to sign up uh, for that one because we want it to happen quick. And we want quick answers to our prayers. But many times God is teaching us to wait patiently on the Lord. Like Daniel prayed for 21 days. And he saw no answer to his prayer for 21 days. Imagine if Daniel on day 19 or day 20, if he had said, well, I guess, not, I guess God's not going to answer this prayer. And, you know, God doesn't care. Uh, God doesn't notice me and given up. He would have missed out on seeing God work powerfully in his life. I think if Daniel were here today, that he would read this verse to us from Psalm 40, verse 1, that says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He, he, he turned to me and he heard my cry. You ever had a time in your life where you just went into another room and you cried? Uh, you, you just cried out to God. You're like, why God? Why is this happening in my life? What is, what is going on in my life? You didn't even have words. You just, you just cried out to God. But isn't it encouraging to know that God heard you, that he cared for you, and that he was with you in that moment? I wonder if there's an area in your life right now where you're praying and you're like, God, I need it now. God, uh, tell me what to do uh, now. I want it now. But maybe God is saying, just wait patiently on the Lord. Because let me tell you, while we're waiting, God is working. And if you're trying to, you know, make it happen, force it to happen, manipulate it, and it's not God's timing, that's not going to happen. But if it is God's timing, there is not a force on this earth that will prevent it from happening. While we're waiting, God is working. I came across a story about a guy by the name of George Muller. He lived in England, and he wrote his prayers in his journal. When he died, they took his journal and they published it. They found that he prayed for one particular guy by name every day for 52 years that he would come to faith in Jesus. 52 years. I can't pray about something for 52 days, let alone 52 years. And the guy never came to faith in Jesus. At George Muller's funeral, this friend of his who had been prayed for every day for 52 years, and he didn't know it, um, he came to the funeral to uh, show pay his respects to his friend, uh, George Muller. And the message, the pastor's message at the funeral was so moving that afterward he walked up to the pastor 
And his exact words were, what must I do to be saved? And that pastor led him to faith in Jesus. While we're waiting, God is working. God's delays, not necessarily God's denials. Here's the second truth I hope you hold on to when your prayers go unanswered and you're frustrated about that. Opposition often means we're doing something right. I want to go back for a moment to the story about uh, Daniel because there's a little, little detail. It's easy to read over and to, miss, and to miss it. I want you to notice how the angel greets Daniel. He says, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed. This means God takes delight in Daniel. In chapter 1, Daniel refuses to eat meat that had been sacrificed to idols, even though nobody would have known. And it was the best meat uh, available. In chapter 6, he refuses to worship King Darius as a, as a god. Over and over again, Daniel does the right thing. And I wonder if that's why the prince of Persia opposes him so strongly for 21 days. I've heard it said this way. Often we don't face opposition because uh, when we're doing something wrong, we face opposition when we're doing something right. I, I've, I've noticed this happening all the time. Imagine you're trying to lose 10 pounds and you've lost nine, nine pounds. You're doing great. I mean, you, you're, doing, you're doing awesome. But then on your way to work one day, uh, you stop at the store and you walk by the donut case and they've got a new donut in there. It's called the uh, apple cider glazed uh, donut, and it's a seasonal uh, donut. This is a real donut, uh, by the way. I looked it up. It's 380 calories, 20, 23 grams of fat, 20 grams of sugar. And you try to walk by and just ignore it, but, you know, you think, well, you know, it's a seasonal donut. You know, they might run out. This might be my only opportunity. And you have the donut. You get so close to your goal, but that's when the opposition hits. Now, that's a humorous example, but I've heard people say things like, I've been praying uh, to get my family to church, and my family, they, they finally agreed to come. Then my spouse had a really busy day and said, I'm too tired uh, to go, or one of our kids got sick. Or we decided to start a neighborhood Bible study. We wanted to reach people in our neighborhood uh, for Jesus. And people said they would come, and then they didn't. They started dropping out. Or we decided to work on our marriage. We went for marriage counseling. And on the ride home after the latest session, we had the biggest argument ever in our marriage. Somebody reminded me that two days before Easter, we had both of our baptistries at both campuses broke down at the same time. Fortunately, somebody noticed, and we were able to get them fixed in time. And we, we baptized 74 people last Easter, but we had to overcome some opposition. Sometimes you face opposition because you're doing something wrong, but many times you face opposition because you're doing something right. Ephesians chapter 6 says, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Now, first time I read that, I pictured like a little Halloween devil wearing a red costume, pitchfork. He's got his little bow and arrow, you know, that he's plucking. And ouch, ouch, you know, you got me. But that's not what this is, is, is talking about here. The fiery arrows are our thoughts. Satan wants to put little thoughts into your mind. What kinds of thoughts? Thoughts of, of, of doubt, God doesn't care about me, God doesn't like me, 
God's not real. Thoughts of accusation. I'm so incompetent. I'm so stupid. I'm so fat. I'm so ugly. If your friends knew what you struggled with, they wouldn't accept you. God won't forgive you. God hates you. God is mad at you. Sometimes I have to ask myself, if Jesus were sitting across the table from me, would he speak to me the way that I'm speaking to myself? And sometimes the answer is no. Jesus would never look at me and go, oh, you're so stupid. People don't like you. He would never do that. So why am I speaking to myself that way? It's because that's a fiery arrow in my mind. And we're in a spiritual battle. And when you're in a spiritual battle, the first thing that you, that you need to do is you need to pray in the name of Jesus. You need to say, God, I don't want to think that thought. God, please remove that thought. I want to take my thoughts captive. And then find a verse of Scripture to fill your mind with, with, with truth and to go back to several times a day. Maybe a verse like, like this one here, the one who's in you is greater than the one who's in the world. Imagine you're in a cage. You know, Satan can come. He can rattle your cage a little bit sometimes, but he can't get to you. You're protected. you got Jesus in you, and he's greater than the devil who's in the world. See, we're not battling from a place of weakness. We battle from a place of strength. We don't, we don't fight for battle. We, fight from, we don't fight for victory. We fight uh, from victory. Or grab a verse like this one here. If God's for us, who can be against us? I might face a lot of conflict and criticism. I might have people who are against me. But if God is for me, and I'm walking in truth and, and, and godliness, nobody can defeat me. Or this one, verse like this, nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. No amount of pain, no amount of suffering, not even death itself can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That's how you win the battle, and the battle belongs to the Lord. In fact, when this angel was locked in a spiritual conflict with the prince of Persia, think about this. God did not go to Daniel and say, Daniel, you need to pray harder. Daniel, you need to, you need to win this battle. You need to go to church more. You need to love other people uh, better. No, no. God said, I'm going to send the archangel Michael. Um, I'm going to win this, this battle. Victory will be mine. The battle belongs to the Lord. And so we're going to close the service today by uh, singing a song that says, the battle belongs to the Lord. And my hope is that as we sing this song, that you'll think about a battle that's going on in your life right now. What's a battle for you today? Maybe it's a relational battle. Maybe it's a health battle. Maybe you've got a battle with your thoughts. Maybe some of us battle fear or anxiety. Maybe we battle depression or anger. What's a battle that you're in right now? As you sing this song, my hope is that you would declare the battle belongs to the Lord. He will win a victory on my behalf. Would you stand and let's uh, sing this song to God together.